the first step ever podcast and i am ishani nigam your host and producer of the podcast this podcast is made for all the disruptors around the globe who know that they are made for something for that one thing but fear of embarrassment fear of rejection the fear of fear itself holds us back at some point in time but hey those are the only milestones that if we cross we are there to take our first steps so welcome on this journey with me where i interview people from across the globe so that they can share their story their challenges and you know that even you can surpass yours well what are you waiting for let's get started come on my first step ever i'm so excited because this is another episode where we are going to chat to an amazing human who has really successfully achieved in her life what she would always wanted to or what she might have figured out around the way or she might still want to kind of figure out going forward but where she is she is doing amazingly well impacting a lot of people's life today but how did she get over there is all that we are going to understand today unpack and also talk a little bit about what she's doing today So before we get started get your headset on whether you're in a gym whether you're cooking whether you're walking or whatever you're doing be there hold on because we are going to chat to you about some real challenges some real stories some real aha moments that might help you be on your step or towards your goal so please join me in welcoming Mia Smithson all the way from US hi Mia welcome on my first step ever podcast Hello, hello. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'm I'm very excited as well because I think what you are doing at present and which I will sort of introduce our listeners, I will introduce you to my listeners is something very very essential which is about, you know, empowering women being able to negotiate and understand their worth and much more that you're doing. And it is one of the most most important thing. And I think anyone who's listening to us, any any person, women or anyone, this would be very helpful for them. But Let's just let me just introduce you to my listeners today. So, Mia is the CEO and founder of the 30k dollar program. Now that is amazing. What she does over here is she empowers women to get higher paying jobs that they adore by teaching them some effective how they can, you know, how to effectively package skills and strategically negotiate with confidence. The results that the women get over in her program is to increase their income by 30k thousand within 12 months of session, the coaching session that she takes. Now, besides this, she's a global director of talent management, overseeing hiring leadership for 400 plus employees. Wow. 450 plus contractors in seven countries. Now, these sound like numbers but you know when you really come to think about what impact it has i mean she's impacted so many lives can you believe that this is amazing and she's doing this work across the continent across the countries which means that it is really impacting it has some sort of value that she's adding to people and that comes from a value that she must have created for herself because to empower someone else you need to be empowered within So this is what we are going to sort of discuss with Mia but she has something more in store so she has trained 100 plus hiring managers and in, interviewed 5000 professionals for companies like Disney Blue Cross Blue Shield and Microsoft 
And interestingly, she is a cauliflower rice connoisseur. Amazing. <laughs> She's obsessed with salsa dancing. So we have an amazing dancer in, in the room. And she calls San Francisco her home. Oh, that's really amazing. So let's just, without any further ado, I think I just want to jump in to this particular episode today and start from where we left, which is San Francisco, her home. So Mia, please take us through your early childhood days, you know, when you were growing up, what were you like then? What was the mindset? What were you surrounded with? So I remember being in fifth grade and I was in the band and they were like, okay, so you need to like play the music that we're giving you. And I was like, what if I create my own? Like, why would I just want to play something someone else has already written? And so literally, I was a fifth grader, and I started writing my own music. And then when I was in sixth grade, that just continued. And in sixth grade, my high school band as well as, or sorry, in sixth grade, my middle school band as well as choir, they played, like, songs that I wrote, which is really, really cool. And wow. then in seventh grade, I started yeah, taking um, music composition classes at UMKC Conservatory. Started like learning on the collegiate level how to do that. And then when I was in high school, I had music written for like my high school choir, my high school band. And then I also had one of our plays, they played a song. And then in college, I actually got a scholarship for music composition. And I play like I mean, at that point, I played like seven instruments and then learned how to, you know, write even for instruments I didn't play. So, like, it, I think it all started where I was like, why would I just like write someone else's like music? Why wouldn't I like, you know, do something on my own and do something more creative? And I've utilized that. And that's kind of fueled a lot of like the person that I am today in this career that I built, right? Because like when you're building a company out of nothing, you're making it up as you go along you know what I'm saying like it's not yeah. like a laid out plan like you have to like every single step you're the one architecting that and so yeah I think at an early age I just like thrive in that type of environment this is incredible Mia I think you already had it in you while growing up I think you already knew the essence of what living your life is is to live your life on your own terms and you had the conviction you had the confidence and and this is amazing you know that from the very beginning you were a get goer you were someone who did things on her own terms you did not take everything as it is it came to you you questioned it and you add something of your essence to what you did over there and that's amazing that you followed and pursued something that was really you were really good at and you really liked because we can see from just you know saying no and writing your own piece in the fifth grade to kind of you know getting a scholarship and you know I mean doing so many different things in that field and really really acing that it it, it is this this quick brief journey that you have taken us of yours actually, you know, it reinforces the fact that if you really are good at something and if you like that, and if someone really needs, you know, your creativity or your solution that you're providing, if you pursue, you can actually go to the greater height. Now, I like to kind of stay in the zone of where, you know, you mentioned the amazing Mia that you were from the very beginning that formed your business 
a mindset, you know, that doing something of your own, helping people out there. So over here, like when, when I see that you were already this confident person, you were taking your own decisions. So at this point in time, a lot of people around, you know, in the globe who are in their early 20s or late 20s, we, we, we do find that strength sometimes from within, sometimes from people around us. But what can you say from your experience in that period of time keeps that confidence going on, even in the most lowest point in time because we all face it you know in that period especially in the 20s very fragile time what has been your ex in your experience if you can share with our listeners that what they can kind of really hold on to so they don't lose their originality they really have the confidence that they have and keep pursuing it i'm obsessed with discomfort so like the quote I love my life by is discomfort is the currency of weakening. And mm -hmm. I actually have like a gamified system of dealing with rejection. When I actually started this program, I had a jar that I would put a coffee bean in every single time I got rejected. And then when I got a hundred, I had various like prizes that I had to work myself. I'd go get a massage. I'd go out to lunch with a friend, like whatever it was. Right. And so it's this whole like gamification of like rejection and failure. And even now, like I, it got, it got to be a little bit too like strenuous where you have like the beans and then you're like, Oh, I forgot to put this yeah. in. So now I just have this album on my phone and I screenshot whatever the rejection was and then I add it to the album. And right now I'm at like roughly 90 since January 1, which I'm wow. actually like, no, that's not as like, if I was getting rejected more, my actual successes would be even more than they, they are at the moment, right? And so I do, I am actually looking to increase that number because it means I'm like, there's more at that. Right. And so I think it's about like completely reframing how you see rejection and how you see failure. And then when you kind of like just like have fun with that and fall in love with that process, like then you don't have that fear. Cause I think where a lot of like people struggle with confidence is they are like afraid of messing up and like afraid of feeling like an imposter. And they're just like afraid of putting the, yourself out there. But when like rejection and failure becomes fun right? Then it changes the entire game because then it's like, even if I show up and collect my rejection, baby, what is up? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is such an amazing way of looking at, you know, the whole burdensome game of, you know, failure and success because we actually think that failure is the thing that, you know, one should not be dealing with in the life and success is something that we should be dealing with in the life. But actually, if one really tastes the success they'll understand it's, it is as dicey as failure is and it, it does bring you you know some sort of you know good feeling at the very beginning but to sustain the success is another kind of a pressure so how do you look at success how do you look at failure and i think mia you have got a very very interesting perspective of how you can gamify things how you can bring down the whole air about you know failure sort of bring it a little down sort of make it a point where you can learn things from it and having that sort of a goal you know that oh and i love what you really mentioned one thing that you mentioned over there which was i haven't had so many failures that means i have not reached the level of success that i could have with the number of failures which is amazing i mean this this is such a positive way of going and not even 
it's not about just positive. It's actually kind of a practical way of also going forward because the more that you fail, the more that you learn, the more that you incorporate in your offerings or your interaction with people or whatever you're doing, the more better you become. So that's that's the game. That's the end game. And this is amazing, Mia. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I, I think this is very interesting and in that you have been holding down to this kind of mindset from the very beginning that really shows in your confidence and that really now makes me understand that why you move towards something, you know, a business where you are helping people build confidence and your techniques seems one of the techniques that we know right now, it's very interesting. So I want to know from here, you know, from your teenage times or, you know, when you started, you were heavily into this creative world of, you know, writing music and acing that. When did the shift from that creative world started happening towards the business world or how, how did that stage you know come about because there's a lot of people who would might who might want to you know shift the careers industries or they might just want to keep things going parallelly so i think having kind of understanding your journey would help them understand that how they can maybe you know pivot or take this forward yeah that's such a great question um okay and one last thing to add about the rejection like I've interviewed about 5,000 people at this point in my career and we'll wow. post a role and within a week we have 500 applicants. We're only going to hire one person, right? Yeah. And so like wow. it is critical that honestly anyone, especially like if you want to work in corporate, even entrepreneurs, like it's, it's a lot, right? It is a really, really, really critical skill. Very. To learn. So one last point there. And then to answer, yeah, to answer your question, so the reason why I decided to no longer pursue music was because music became a job, right? I had to write a certain amount of music. It had to meet certain criteria. It had to be done by a certain amount of time. Like it was like this thing that to me was like a game and felt like play. It began to feel like work. And so I just did a lot of like soul searching. At the time I was like, like really obsessed with running. So I'd go on these long runs and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm not enjoying this, even though I used to like enjoy it so much. And yeah, so I actually spoke on the phone with my sister and she had majored in journalism and was like, let me tell you, it is so fun. Like, and she was telling me all about like what the field was. The more I like heard about it, the more I was like, this is so cool. Oh my gosh. And so, yeah, I switched to, journalism and strategic communications. And I was on the marketing track. And so, yeah, it's been really, really fascinating. Then from there, I taught English in Thailand. So I moved to the island of Phuket, taught kindergarten. And then after that, I got to the States and was able to leverage that like journalism and marketing background because journalism is all about interviewing people. What do you do as a recruiter? You interview people. And then also, since I was in the marketing track, one of the things that I do right now is important branding, right? And employer marketing right and so there's once again a lot of like transferable skills there that that's very interesting because i think what what i see in your journey and if i can unpack and kind of put some takeaways for our listeners today is that there, there are two things you have a goal you work towards it and sometimes life happens within that journey so i think that was that's kind of a thing that i see in your story as well so far that you you were intentional definitely in what you wanted to do you know that you you knew that this particular space of the music that you were in that you loved that was your you used to play with that that's a creative space that you want to in and it no longer 
was serving you that purpose. And it was nice that you did take that brave step of to pause and reflect because that is one important step that a lot of people don't take. So my friends, if you're listening to us today, what Mia did and what she's sharing is a very important step that if you feel stuck, if you feel that you're no longer having fun in a particular profession that you felt that, oh, I've always wanted to do this. There could be times when you move ahead in life that things change for us. And that's when you need to stop and reflect. And from there, you were very intentional or maybe you just wanted to kind of see where your strengths lie. And after doing your research, you went forward. But you picked the transferable skills from the profession that you worked, you know, you, the, the interviewing part of the journalism, the marketing part side of your work. And now we can see that how you have actually combined and that has formed the basis of the business that you're leading. So thank you so much, Mia, for taking us through those important stages because this actually shares very important message to everyone, for myself and everyone who's listening to us, that be intentional in your choices. And if something really comes good out of it, which really resonates with you, think about it, that what you can maybe marry, what maybe you can, you know, take together from different places and probably do something of your own if you're in a corporate job or even if you want to do something of your own. So thank you so much, Mia. And I think now I like to kind of get to the point where we talk a bit more about your business. So because setting up a business is not an easy deal. So we would like to sort of wrap this episode with this amazing last question where we understand your now, how does this business come about and what really resonated with you for this business? Yeah, this is a good question. Okay, so as mentioned, I've interviewed 5,000 people, right? Roughly half of which were women. So of the 2,500, roughly two-thirds didn't negotiate. So 2,500 were women, 1,600, so two-thirds of that were women who did not negotiate. And so listening to 1,600 women not negotiate, like lit a fire underneath me. And then there was also a point in my career where I found out that I was underpaid, which was an absolutely horrible feeling. And thankfully, like the next year, I got not one, not two, but three promotions at my job and my cop definitely did increase, right? But nonetheless, I, I, I have heard this pain both in my own life and I, and also, you know, in a thousand six hundred women that I've interviewed, right? This is, this is actually, a, I mean, this is a reality which I can believe, but it's a sad reality that it is. So uh, we are at that point, but it's amazing, Mia, that you have some amazing stats to kind of prove and the gravity of the situation that we're talking about, that what it really means, because it, I mean. It is something out there that we know that why, why we are, we might not be happy. But, you know, Mia, because you have interviewed so many women out there who are not negotiating. And this is what you help with people in your 30K program now, that you build that confidence, that negotiation skill so that they can value themselves more so that they can put the value on the table when they're, ne- they're negotiating. So today over here, if you can give our listeners, be it women or anyone who's listening to us, what are the top three tips that you can probably give our listeners that, you know, if they do this or if this is their mindset backing whatever they're doing, they will be able to sort of, you know, ask for the value that they really deserve? I think the first thing is 
actually around resumes, because if your resume does not look exceptional, you're not even going to get to the interview and you're not even going to get to negotiate. So having a resume where you quantify the value that you deliver to your previous employer. So Google has an XYZ resume formula, which is amazing. And it is um, accomplished X as measured by Y, which results in Z. Right. So it's a very quantifiable like framework that you can use. So that way you're like, okay, I increase sales by X percentage through implementing a new whatever it is, which resulted in this thing. Right. It's really, 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 really specific. And so that's the first thing is like you gotta have a rock star resume in the very beginning. And then once you're actually in the negotiation, watch your tone. And I know that sounds like a very weird thing. But it's not just the words you say, but it's also how you say the words. Very important. Right? So oftentimes when I'm negotiating with someone who doesn't negotiate, typically they do not allow pauses. They are like so scared of having silence Um, in the conversation. And they just rush to fill it. Right. And they're just like, ah, and you can tell that they're like nervous. Right. And like, Mm. I believe that like negotiation is is kind of like a dance. You're kind of going back and forth. You're like, I always kind of imagine that I'm like, kind of like holding the energy, holding the space there. And like that oftentimes men who I negotiate with, who, you know, come across as really confident, they're having those pauses. They're taking that time to Think through a response and not just say something. So I'd say that is tip number two. Tip number three is don't say the number first. The, num- the person who says the number first typically loses. So what you want to do is something actually called reversing. So this is mm-hmm. where the the recruiter or the hiring manager says, uh, okay, what is the salary range that you're targeting? And you respond back, well, what's the salary range for the role? <laughs> Right. And then after that, if, you know, they could either tell you that salary range um, or circle back with you once they do have that information. And I will say that federally right now, there are eight states and this number is continuing to increase as time progresses that do require companies to post the salary ranges on the job descriptions. Right. Yeah. Um, but you don't want to be saying that number first. You instead want to be like a detective. You need to be finding out like the full scope of the comp that's available. So even if they post a salary range, they're required to post a salary range. They're not required to post the additional comp and perks, right? So is there a signing bonus that's available? Is there an annual bonus that's available? Typically what we see in manager level roles and above is that availability for a signing and an annual bonus. And typically, at least for signing bonuses, I've never heard of a signing bonus given unless the candidate has actually requested it. Right. And so you need to be like basically like doing a little bit of detective work. So let's just say the the job description or the uh, salary range is posted on there. Then the question is like, um, you know, I noticed the salary range on the job description. Um, I'm curious, does that include the bonuses, stock options and, you know, additional perks? Could you speak to that? Right. So now all of a sudden you're getting the full package. And then once you have that information, you can strategically answer with, you know, what you are targeting. But I always recommend, like, don't feel rushed, right? 
just because a recruiter asks, because almost every recruiter hiring manager asks that in that first conversation, you don't need to tell them that right away, right? Your goal is to find out the salary range, all the perks, everything. You can always follow back after email after you've had a great night's sleep. You've been able to, you know, do your do your due diligence, make sure that the amount that you're targeting is in line with, you know, the industry and like what the role will provide and like really you're able to respond back from a place of just confidence and security. And that's really, really great, right? And it's kind of like shifting it from like the recruiter or the hiring manager, like kind of like, aha, I have all the cards to now all of a sudden it's empowering the individual to say, two can play this game and an interview is between, you know, two people who either party could say no, it's not just up to the employer. Incredible. Those were some really, really, really important tips. I can't even emphasize more enough that how important is that. And sort of open up like light bulb for me over here and there. And the and, and, and the thing, you know, the I mean, I, I, I would identify as getting stuck sometimes, you know, when, when that has happened in the past. And it's really good to know that people who are listening to us today who are in their early 20s or who are, you know, in that situation where they're looking for the next job, I am very sure that these tips are going to be really, really beneficial if and only if you listen to what we have, you know, discussed over here and you apply. Applying is very, very, very important. So thank you. Yes, Mia, I think you want to say something. Yeah, so I'm going to know by applying what I, what, I always don't recommend to people is just, you know, let's just say doing a practice negotiation with your brother who earns mm-hmm. less money than you and then going into the interview. That I would say is not applicable practice. You want to be doing a practice negotiation with someone who is making more money than you, ideally a lot more money than you. Amazing. So that you can practice what those positives are like. And once again, like negotiation is a skill. So like riding a bike, it is a skill that can be developed. And if someone, according to Indeed, people change jobs in America every 2.5 years. And if you ride a bike once every 2.5 years, are you going to be a good bike rider? No, no, no. You're going to be like literally horrible, right? And so you need to get a lot of reps in with someone who's making more money than you, ideally a lot more money. And that way, they're going to be able to really instill in you that confidence and also help you develop those skills so that when you do go in and negotiate, you're like, this is, this is exciting. I think this is the, this is an entire lovely way of sort of wrapping up this episode. And one takeaway that, I mean, we had many, but this is the most amazing one that add a new skill set to your list, which is negotiation. We must have never thought about that as a skill, but Mia, thank you for bringing that perspective up, that negotiation is a skill. And like any other thing that you learn in your life, you need to be consistent and practice it with the right people, as Mia mentioned. So thank you so much, Mia, for being on my first step ever. It is so, so lovely to chat to you, understand your journey. And I think you've been such a fierce leader in your own uh, you know space over there and i'm so happy that you are bringing in the kind of value that is so rare but which is so important in the world i'm so happy to have have this opportunity to chat with you to share your journey with listeners today so before we take your leave we just like to ask you that uh, something that we always ask our listeners to leave our sorry our guest speakers to leave our listeners with a quote or a saying that they really resonate with this is the Phone uh, screensaver actually. 
And that is discomfort is the currency of your dreams. If you're willing to endure enough discomfort, anything's possible. Lovely. Discomfort is the currency of your dreams. Think about it and you might understand or something might help you take that next step towards your goal. So I'm sure you must have enjoyed what Mia has shared today, her personality, her amazing, her fire that she has for her own profession and for whatever she does in life. And hope we get to see her dance someday very soon. But for now, I like to leave some links in the show notes if you would like to kind of read a bit more about Mia, what she does, and if you would like to follow her. So thank you so much, Mia, for being on my first step ever. If you're still glued together on this episode, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And if you really want to hear more such stories from around the globe, then subscribe to my First Step Ever podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google and Spotify, whichever platform you prefer. Please do give ratings and please do write your comments and you can directly reach out to me on my first step ever underscore in that's my Instagram handle. A little about myself. I have always loved performing on stage, acting, speaking and just emoting myself. So I use these medium different ways so that I can connect with people, help them, empower them, infotain them, which is to inform them and entertain them. If you would like to collaborate for any opportunities, more than welcome to connect with me on my Instagram handle. Thank you.